Hi, I'm Trevor. And I'm Laura. We're married, and we like to do a lot of different things together. But what got us together initially was that we love to eat and we like to drink. And we love to learn how our favorite foods and beverages came to be. In each episode of this podcast, we'll talk about something delicious and answer the question, Where did this come from? ever closer and closer to spring and summer these days. The weather's changing slightly and slowly. uh, And now, because it was uh, the whole spring ahead this weekend, we have an extra hour of daylight every day. I'm actually really excited for that. Same. I don't know, like wrapping up work at the end of the day and then having it be dark. Yeah. And then still being just like, I've been in the house all day long. (laughs) Yes, yes. It's normally something I took for granted, I find, every year now. Like the whole spring ahead thing, I would complain, like, I lose an hour of sleep on Sunday morning. Right, yeah. But the extra the, daylight at night is nice. Yeah, the way the way the last year has gone, and specifically like this winter, it's just felt darker. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the extra hour of sunlight is going to feel fantastic know, at the I'm end excited. of the day. And it gets me excited because we can get our, like, our summer set up back up outside. We can sit outside in our chairs after work, have a cocktail. Yes. Read. So Get our little fire pit ready again. You know, oh plant gosh. some plants, order mulch. Yes, all of the very exciting domestic things that you're outlining. But, but honestly, I actually am excited. So am I. I know. It's, it's just like getting outside and like working on our property a little bit. Right. Which I well, say like that, it sounds a... like we have our property. It's a small, it's a small yeah, tiny small little plot of land. land but... Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think like now we go outside to like go for walks or, you know, just like force ourselves to like go somewhere because we don't really have anything to be doing outside. But right. when their yard work comes, it's like, okay, well, we have a purpose. Mm-hmm. And there is a task at hand to finish. Right. So. I wonder if any of that's going to change once we're both vaccinated and can kind of. Yeah, like go. Go places. do stuff again. Yeah. Responsibly do stuff again, but. Right. I'm sure it will a little bit. Like we'll, yeah. we'll be less excited about yard work when we can like go to parties. Or yeah. like, I also I think we're going to have to ease our way back into society because we're going to have to remind ourselves how to be around other people. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I mean, I was—I found myself, I was in line at the post office the other day. Um, we had to mail off our taxes and I was in line at the post office, which anytime you go to the post, post office, it's always going to be a line. And I found myself very content to be waiting in a line. Yeah. It was the weirdest <laughs> feeling. So I was like, I'm doing normal things. I'm waiting at the post office. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Anyway, before Exciting. I dive too deep into normalcy, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Where Did This Come From? The podcast where we talk about all things delicious and their origin stories. I'm Trevor. And I'm Laura. And this week, our inner New Englander is really showing um, because we're going to be talking about maple syrup. Yay. Yes. It's sugaring season here in the Northeast. Um, so why not talk about syrup? Yeah, good good call on topic. I, Thank you. As always, I'd like to say that I planned it around sugaring season. So let's stick with that. Uh, <laughs> let's stick with that one. Um, maple syrup is one of those uh, it's one of those topics that we cover from time to time that has a legend at the heart oh. of its origin story. Actually, more than one. It's also one of those things that I've eaten my entire life mm-hmm. and never really thought too much. About where it came from. Yeah. Well, and the amount of work that it takes yeah. to get just a couple ounces of maple syrup. Yeah. And it's it's one of those things where you have to sit back and ask, like, how did humankind 
think to do this. Yeah, yeah. Who figured out that stuff from a tree yeah. can be so delicious on your pancakes? Well, first off, take like figuring out that it's in the tree. Yeah. Figuring out what to do with it afterwards. And then figuring out the applications after that. Yeah. It's just one well, of those things where it's like, how did you... It's a feat of humanity. Yeah. It's like they with... found a way. I always wondered with like tobacco, like how many plants did you try to smoke before you figured out that tobacco was something you the, wanted the to... The product yeah, of exactly. choice. Yeah. That's true. So maple syrup is one of those things. Um, so what I get said, it has more than one legend okay. at the start of it because it goes back so far since no one really knows who the singular person was who... Right figured this out. So um, Native Americans began the practice long before Europeans arrived in North America. Yeah, that is That is fact, at least. Yeah. Um, so one story states that Prince Gluskap, there's some fun names involved here, Prince Gluskap found his people lazily drinking maple syrup right from the trees mm. instead of doing their work. So as punishment, he added water to the syrup and made the sap only available in the springtime. Now, the people would have to boil the sap down instead of being lazy. Similarly, another story puts Kokomis, the son of the Earth Mother, in the role of Prince Gluskop. And a third story from the Chippewa and Ottawa tribes of Michigan states that the god Ninabozhu cast the spell and made it a thing. Oh, okay. A different legend, there's so many, (laughs) a different legend retold in the Atlantic Monthly's April issue in 1896 tells of a woman named Mokwa, and it says that she was cooking moose for her husband, Wuxis, when her boiling pot ran out of water, and she refilled it with maple sap because she had that on hand, and then the boiled-down sap formed syrup in the pot. Ooh. Yes. And it was probably delicious. It probably was. Meat. Another legend <laughs> <laughs> tells of a chief who threw his tomahawk into a tree, and then the tree began to drip with sap. And this sparked the idea for his wife to cook meat in that sap. Mm. And that final result was delicious syrupy meal, which is a kind of a take on the previous one. Right, yeah. I think this one, to me, this one sounds the most plausible. To be yes, I, I was going to say, I think I, I think I like the, the second one. Like she ran out of water, like, oh, yeah. I put the sap in here. But Well, it could have been a combination of these two as well, True. to be honest with you, because it's has right, like why that. Would, why would she have just had a bunch of sap? Yeah, because again, it's an accidental discovery. And then you figure out an accidental application for what this mm-hmm. stuff is. Um, so it said that the chief was the first to use the word Sinzi Bookwood, which means drawn from trees. Mm. A Native Americans often use this word to refer to maple syrup. Sinzi Bookwood? Uh, I might be saying it wrong, but Sinzi Bookwood. Sinzi nice. Bookwood. That's cool. Yeah. Kind of has that sound to it. Like, oh, this comes from the tree. Oh, yeah. Wood. So early Native American methods of sap collection involved cutting a V-shape into the bark of the maple tree, and then placing a wedge, usually a bark wedge, at the bottom of that cut. Okay. And the sap would flow out of the wedge and into baskets that were placed at the base of the tree. That sounds like kind of similar to how it's done today, right? Absolutely. Uh, And sometimes Native Americans made these baskets out of wood, hollowed out with a hatchet. Sometimes they were uh, made of bark and only used once. Uh, Sometimes they were used year after year. It's kind of varying accounts for how they would do it. I'm sure different tribes would do different things. Mm Mm-hmm. And the sap was collected and slowly boiled until it became syrup. And at that point, they would allow it to cool, and it would be kept in baskets year-round. And generally, the gathering and boiling of the sap was done by the women in the tribe. Hmm. Okay. Wait, so I don't know if you're going to go into this, but the sap, you have how, – how – much do you have to boil it off? A lot. Okay. A lot, a lot. Right, because um, I know you get, like, very little from 
what, yeah, from each tree. Maple right? sap is um, 2% sugar. Okay. So, you so have it's to like... 98% water. So okay. it's a lot. And I'll get into the actual numbers in a little bit. Okay. Um, so by the time European settlers came to the area, they learned how to tap maple trees from the indigenous people. Uh, but instead of using a wedge, they would drill holes using augers. So mm-hmm. like drills. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they would insert wooden spouts into the holes and hang buckets from them to collect the sap. So again, mm-hmm. very similar. Yeah. They were just using their European tools to do the same thing. Yep. And colonists made these buckets by hollowing segments out of a tree to create a seamless container. That way it wouldn't lose any, any of the liquid. Drop. Right. Yep. Right. So working animals like oxen or horses were used to haul the really large sap-filled containers to a central point that they called a sugar shack, mm, which I love. Which is, <laughs> love the name still, sugar shack. They're right? still things, Yeah, right? it's still a phrase that we use today. Absolutely. And that's where it was boiled down to make uh, maple syrup and maple sugar. And maple sugar was actually much more popular in those times mm, because there's huge expense of importing non-native cane sugar from the more tropical parts right. of the world to North America. It was, it was just a huge, huge expense. Hmm. So it takes about 40 gallons of sap to make one gallon of maple syrup. Wow. Oh my gosh. That's... Explain some of why it's so expensive. Right. And part of it is I'll go into the, the actual process of making it later, and you'll understand why. Yeah. It costs like $40 for a gallon of syrup. Yeah. First of all, if you're buying a gallon of syrup, it should last you like two years, but. Right. Well, it depends on your pancake, your, your, your waffle your intake. Your syrup intake, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and sugar makers boiled off most of the water over a wood fire at the time. Oh, I bet were, that would like taste I really know, good. I like know, a smokier quality to it. Uh, and what they were left with was this brown sweet syrup. Now, some syrup makers heated the sap even further, which then turned it into that crystallized maple sugar. Yeah, which I really don't I have for. a hard time with it. Um, it makes my teeth hurt. Yeah. It's like, yeah. very, it's like a gritty Like candy. maple candies? Yeah, I'm thinking of maple, maple candies. Yeah. They're really not my favorite. Yeah, it kind of yeah. hurts my teeth thinking yeah. about it. I mean, the flavor is great, but the teeth, uh, uh. Yeah. Anyway, dentists out there are like applauding us for. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, the one sugar we don't really The one sugar like we don't enjoy, right? Um, over time, the, uh, the maple industry evolved enough that there were actually companies from Quebec to Vermont producing ready-made evaporator systems. So they were essentially giant frying plant pans with fireboxes built underneath. So there was a whole industry mm. around creating small-scale syrup production and maple sugar production. That's cool. Now, come the 1800s, that century saw a lot of innovations in a lot of different things, but specifically in sap boiling. So around the year 1850, large flat metal pans became available. And that increased surface area actually proved to be much more efficient than the previous iron kettles they were using. Because mm. it was just more shallow. Right, yeah. So it's so a faster it's process. Faster. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. And I saw pictures of it. It literally looks like a very large rectangular steel kitchen sink, basically. Mm. And just steam coming yeah, out of the yeah. whole thing. So because of the increased availability of cane sugar, starting in the 1800s, producers switched their focus from the maple sugar to the maple syrup. So it became mm. less about the sugar production and more about the syrup okay. production at that yeah, time. Yeah, makes sense. And even more um, tech innovations made it easier for them to produce larger quantities of the syrup. Soon, plastic bags replaced the buckets that were hung from the, tra- uh, the taps. And also tractors began to replace the, the livestock mm, that they were using yeah. to haul things to and fro so they could actually get bigger quantities. Right. Yeah, I was going to say it probably became more of a challenge to get enough sap than to – like they probably previously couldn't keep up with the amount of sap they had. Now it's probably the – 
reverse problem. Like they needed to get more sap to... As the industry grew? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it was harder then to have enough livestock around to haul all of it. So then they... And as the technological advances came in, it was just easier to have one large piece of machinery pulling in all of this stuff versus, you know, dozens of horses yeah, a bunch and of oxen. Yeah, back and, and forth, yeah. Which then there's the cost of keeping the animals alive and blah, blah, blah. Oh, the gosh. trickle-down effect. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Uh, in addition, producers sometimes use motor-powered tappers and metal tubing systems to simplify the transfer of the sap from the trees to the evaporator. Oh, yeah. That's when that started. Wait, what year is this? Um, early 1900s, yeah. probably. And there was also more fuel options available for heating as opposed to wood. So you had oil, natural gas, propane, steam were all becoming you know, mm-hmm. popular options here. I would like to taste some maple syrup that was made from a, a wood Burning. I bet you it's a little smoky. I bet it is delicious. a little smoky. Yeah. I wonder if there's any places that do that. Um, there has to be. There okay. has to be. There's a lot of really small artisanal. Yes. It's actually a lot of like true maple. That's the other thing. We're talking about real maple syrup here, not like log cabin maple syrup brand or like. Right. Yeah. Which that, when I was little, that was all I would have. Because like yeah. pancakes were one of my absolute favorite foods. They still kind of are. Still. Still. We had them for breakfast today. We had them for breakfast today. Um. And I used to hate real maple syrup. It's I did too as a kid. It, like it wasn't wanted... until I was like, I don't know, eighteen or something that I was like, oh, this actually is this is good stuff. The, and surprisingly, like, it's less sweet than to me, less sweet than the fake. Yeah, artificial syrups. So it's basically just corn Which are, syrup. It is corn syrup and maple flavoring. Yeah, yeah. and butter flavoring. Yeah. Really Although gross, the only, I remember the I hate only a thing, lot of that right? <laughs> the thing I wanted most as a kid, and I think this is because of like just pure marketing, but Mrs. Butterworth's was like oh, the holy yeah. grail because she talked on the commercials on TV. She was shaped like a lady, and yeah. she talked. I'm like, I want Mrs. Butterworth's. <laughs> and you know what? It was good it, too. Yeah, yeah. It might still be good. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't um, had that in a long time. It's been quite a while. It's been quite a while. Um, now, by the 1970s. Um, filtration had been improved for a purer product and more technical advances gave producers even more options to streamline the process. So now vacuum pumps move the sap through like the the plastic tubing systems that were popular Mm -hmm. by then and stretched from the tree directly to the sugar shack. So it cut out that whole transfer process of like filling up a bucket and hauling it to to the place. Um, Or it would tap more trees into one larger vat, and then you'd have to bring less large vats to the sugar shack. Also, producers started using reverse osmosis machines, hmm. which removes the water from the sap before boiling occurred. Oh. So, so it's like a step previous Exactly. To it takes less time. So if you can do the reverse osmosis, you can actually make the syrup more quickly. Oh. The boiling process is much slower. I mean, much quicker. Sorry. Yeah. So how do they do that? Is that like a filter? They put it through. I don't know how reverse osmosis works. I just know it's a system that will remove H2O from other materials. It's (laughs) sciencey. And uh, also storage containers became larger, more effective, and they created preheaters to reduce heat loss in from transferring from step to step in the process. Hmm. Yeah. So today there is a lot more options available to producers. So depending on which method they want to use, they're able to really boost that production and efficiency in that production. Uh, and then it just lowers the cost for customers. Um, it's still expensive because right. it's a really labor-intensive process, and there's a lot of overhead into making maple syrup. Um, 
But at the most basic level, the process hasn't really changed much yeah. from the Native Americans. It's still That's get really sap cool. from tree. Right. Boil it. Boil sap. You reduce it to the syrup. You reduce it by 98% basically. Yeah. Um, get syrup. Eat syrup. So there's like all the different grades and stuff. Yes. Like so amber, that's really based dark, on how long it's boiled. Uh, also, it'll depend on the the sap that's coming in will produce different kind of darkness levels and richness levels. Some of it is the boiling, but I mean it's the same as like think about it as um, like beer or wine production. Like your what your whatever you're going into it is gonna really kind of affect what's coming Informed, out. So like if you're having a darker malt. Going into a beer, it could be a porter or it could be a stout. If it's a lighter mm-hmm. malt, it could be like a pale ale. Mm-hmm. So the same if the sap is just like a little bit more concentrated, yeah. that can play into it. Um, but so it is that like is, the type of tree? I mean, I think most of it has to do with the boiling and the production, but also like the quality of what's coming in, I would imagine. Okay. Now, the, the grading isn't a quality grading. It's literally like the color grading. Oh, okay. So like grade there was a, an issue where zero. people thought grade B was a lower quality. So they actually changed that a little bit so that it wasn't indicative of the quality of the syrup, but the actual the color color and the flavor profile you're going to get. Oh, I didn't know that. So how is maple syrup really produced nowadays? So maple syrup comes from a stand of maple trees, so a group of maple trees called a sugar bush. So it's not a bush. It's like this group of trees together is called a sugar bush. Uh, and there's certain rules, very specific rules, that dictate what type of forest qualifies as a sugar bush. Hmm. So these rules are even more strict when seeking organic certification, too. Oh, wow. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. So forest areas used for sap collection have to contain at least 20% non-maple trees. And it's going to allow for biodiversity within the oh, forest so that the maple isn't taking over the entire area. Hmm. Also, use of synthetic fertilizers, herbicides, and pesticides is never allowed. It's essentially like you need to find a naturally occurring sugar bush. Yeah. And then you can get it approved for tapping for maple production. That's cool. Yeah. It's actually like good to know. It is. Because it's all maple. You, know, like you don't have to like really worry about, oh, this maple syrup came from a forest where yeah. they are using pesticides. And right, whatnot. right. I mean, the farmers actually, all, they're also required to have a plan in place regarding the upkeep and regeneration of the forest and the wildlife mm. in the area. So it's not like you think there's like there's large scale pure maple syrup producers out there. Right. But it's still if you were like to drive through their sugar bushes, it's still like natural wooded. Right. It's, it's still forest. Like yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's also really specific rules regarding which trees can be tapped for the syrup. Mm. Kind of like catching lobsters and crabs and things like that. So right, trees, yeah, they can't be too small or too big. Or... Right, right. They can't be tapped if they're under nine inches in diameter at chest height. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't know whose chest. There's got to be some kind of <laughs> dictation <laughs> of like average says what the chest height is. Yeah. Um, and the number of spouts that can be placed in each tree is also determined by the tree's diameter. And in an organic forest, there can never be more than three taps per tree, mm. which would be one of the reasons why organic syrup the prices go up because you're tapping less. Less, yeah. If you like drain a tree completely dry one year, like so say you put like 10 taps in it or something, and then the next year does that tree like produce less? I don't think so. Okay. 
I don't so think it's not like it's a. Yeah. I mean, it produces sap every year. Right. We didn't get that question out, but I was just curious. No, no, it's a valid question. Like, can you? It's like, yeah. If will it will it regenerate? Yeah. The sap? Or it's like, yeah. From what I from what I could gather from gathering all the notes together for this, yes. Did I already say that taps must also be distributed evenly on the trunk? No. Well, they do. <laughs> Like, like certain distances away and things like that, okay. heights away from. If you have like layers, right. have to be like very u- uh, uniform yeah, distances away from each other, because think about how a plant and a tree grows. Right, it's very much like if you did like the cross section of the tree mm-hmm. or the cross section of like a plant cell. It's very much like very uniform. So you want to try to keep in with that because eventually you're going to pull those taps out, and the tree is going to grow out. Right, and you want it to grow evenly every evenly, year, yeah. so you can do it oh, evenly every single year. Now, once a sugar bush has been established, a farmer can start tapping trees. And that usually begins in February or March as the weather begins to warm up. Uh, and what I read was once you – so you, they want to tap before this happens. But in March or April, the spring temperature increases and the sap starts to flow. And this will happen when the temperature warms up consistently to above 40 degrees during the day, mm-hmm. but also below freezing at night. Mm. And that's when the sap starts to flow from trees. Hmm. Yeah. The sweet spot. The sweet spot. The sweet spot. Yeah, we're like almost there, right? It's about the start of sugaring season. I think this – Right now, I yeah. think this week actually yeah. is probably – I'm thinking about how the weather has been. Yeah, it's, it's been about starting above to flow. 40 yeah. during the day and then still pretty cold at night. Mm-hmm. And the, the sap is clear and watery. Now, I think about, like, rubbing my hand on a tree, like, going walking through the woods as a mm-hmm. kid and be like, no, nah, it's, like, sticky, syrupy sap on my hands. Yeah. But I guess when it's collected, it's it's watery. Yeah. It's very liquidy. Um, and, again, it's only about 2% sugar. Uh, I'd love to try just, like, filtered maple sap mm-hmm. see what it tastes like. I'm sure we could arrange that I'm sure, at some point. I'm sure we, we could. Back um, to real life. And as it's as it's collected, uh, it's gathered in the central storage tank, and that step of the process usually lasts around um, four to six weeks, depending on the weather. And like any other harvest, you could have a really good sugaring season. You could yeah. have a really slow sugaring mm-hmm. season. It just depends. So, is there something that like makes it a good sugaring season? I would imagine the consistency of that temperature fluctuation. I would think if it gets too warm in the season, the sap might stop flowing, mm. or if it stays too cold for too long and then warms up. If the inconsistency of weather, like anything else you're harvesting. Right. Like if you have a really cold season in Burgundy, the grapes are not going to be very juicy and they're going to just be like really tart, acidic, vintage and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Also, I'm curious. I didn't find this, but I wonder if there's vintage syrup. Oh, interesting. Because it lasts almost indefinitely. I mean, it's pure sugar essentially. So Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Google Follow that. up. After uh, after sugaring season's done, after the sap stops running, the taps are removed every single year, uh, and the sugar bush is left to grow and gather nutrients for the mm. following season. Okay. So they have to, like, go out, tap the trees, mm-hmm. collect. And then untap And then everything. untap the trees. And some of these producers are huge, kind of like Cabot Farmer Collective in Vermont. Mm. It's like hundreds right, of, of different, different properties that all – so imagine if you had like thousands of acres of sugar bushes. Wow. It would be yeah, cool. just how much work involved to manually tap the tree. It's all manually done. Right. You can't like automate that process of tapping it and setting up those, hmm. the tubing and all that stuff. That's cool. Yeah. It sounds like kind of fun. 
it's probably a it's probably a really solid job. Like it's if you like being outside and doing yeah. that stuff. I mean, like. Yeah, it sounds. Like you like working with your hands. You like being in nature. Like that's a, a great job for somebody. Yeah. Now, once the sap has been collected, it's processed in the sugar house. Um, so the shacks have now become houses because they're much bigger. And at this point in the process, some farmers will actually use that reverse osmosis again. Um, it's still something that's used today to remove that water before boiling to like speed up the process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after that, the syrup's boiled in an evaporator. And the fire is built under the evaporator tank, usually with, you know, natural gas or propane these days. And as it heats up, the water begins to evaporate from the sap. It boils, and the remaining liquid turns that golden color and thickens up. And once the temperature reaches 219 degrees, so above boiling temperature, the sugar maker tests the consistency. And then once it's ready, it's filtered and then cooled. Hmm. And once it's rendered after that and filtered again, the syrup flavor and color is graded. So it's Whoa, all about the so flavor it's and color. After. Yeah, after it's done cooking. Oh, that's cool. So they might not know coming into the process what it's going to turn out to be. Mm. Now, amber syrup is normally made early in the season and it's lighter in color. It's got that smooth, buttery flavor. It's really popular for baking as a topping for things, mm. ice cream, pancakes. And then the darker syrup is generally made later in the season and has that darker hue, really strong, rich maple flavor. Um, but both contain lots of vitamins and minerals that come in from the sap from the trees too Hmm. so there's not like really any difference in them other than the flavor and the color yeah interesting kind of like dark roast versus light roast coffee yeah yeah now at that point the sugar maker transfers the maple syrup into huge drums like think big oil drums and when the time comes to bottle it gets shipped over to the bottling room emptied into a stainless steel tank and then the bottling process takes over from there cool yeah we do love our maple syrup we do. Now, the syrup is – this part of the research I found fascinating because it is chemically basically a superfood. Um, what? Yeah. And there's so much research still being done to understand what syrup could be doing for us as humans. Interesting. Um, now, obviously, mainly it's sucrose sugar. and water. So <laughs> yeah. it's sugar. I would have thought the opposite. They're like, stop eating sugar. <laughs> well, this is – one of the ironic things about it is that it's been actually found – to help in diabetes. Interesting. Like it's there's still because lots a of research sugar? being done. I'm not sure. Um, one of the doctors who did the readout on it was quoted as saying, "Like, yes, I understand how ironic it is that a form of pure sugar is actually helping us battle diabetes, but mm-hmm. I think it's probably the the natural components of it. Um, yeah. It's easier to break down. So the glycemic index of maple syrup is 54." And that of sugar is 65, and honey is 58. Okay. So of the three main types of sugar that we use on a regular basis, syrup raises the blood sugar levels the least mm. and can be metabolized the slowest. Okay. That's Yeah, good, so your I body guess. takes yeah. the time. To, so it's like table sugar will be stored as fat. Um, yeah. That's just your body works through it a little bit more slowly. Mm. Interesting. Now, in addition to the sucrose, pure maple syrup contains 54 compounds chemical compounds. And five of those are unique to only maple syrup. There is nothing else on the planet that contains these five chemical compounds, including one that was discovered about 10 years ago and aptly named uh, Quebecol, like Quebec. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Spelled Quebec, O-L. So what does that like do for you? So the Quebecol molecule seems like a a prospective anti-inflammatory agent. There's still a ton of research being done on this. Uh, so it could be highly effective against arthritis 
and degenerative diseases um, like painful hormone-dependent cancers, like breast cancer, and even colon cancer. Now, obviously, this is not my not saying, and neither are they, saying that this is like the cure-all. The cure, yeah. Um, but We're going to get tagged for like misinformation. Not at all, not at all. So Dr. Dr. Navindra P. Siram, uh, who was one of the scientists involved discovering um, Kebequal, or Kebequal, it's hard to say was quoted as saying that Kepikol has a unique chemical structure or skeleton never before identified in nature. Wow. In maple syrup. Cool. Which is crazy. So these other chemical compounds include um, a number of antioxidants, vitamins, minerals, and more notably, only three and a half ounces of pure maple syrup contains 138% of your daily manganese intake, which we all know what that means. <laughs> So yep. manganese, uh, I always wonder what manganese was, and now I know. So it's a mineral that's crucial for metabolism and development in the body. Hmm. So it also contains 106% of your daily B2, which is a vitamin mm-hmm. that aids in enzymes in their function and is actually used to prevent migraines. Oh, interesting. Yeah. A variety of scientific studies have pointed to many um, added benefits of consuming maple syrup that range from improved health, disease prevention, um, also, it, studies show promising futures for medical uses of maple syrup that still haven't been discovered yet. They're like just starting to even more understand of what this thing could do for us. Now, according to studies presented by Donald Weaver at the University of Toronto, pure maple syrup could prevent poor folding and clumping of proteins linked to Alzheimer's disease. Hmm. And they've been backed by that same doctor, Navindra Siram, who I mentioned a moment ago, who was actually an associate professor at University of Rhode Island, at least at the time of that research, and found that pure maple extract, maple syrup extract, stopped protein tangling that leads to Alzheimer's and other diseases. Oh, interesting. So it's not just one study. Yeah. So eat that syrup. Yeah. I mean, why not? I mean, it could very well be one of the most fascinating superfoods yeah, that we, like, kind of brush off as, like... Yeah, just sugary condiments. Just, yeah, exactly. So maple syrup is... I was actually not expecting to be as fascinating. I was, like, excited to go into it to learn how it came to be and how it's made and all that stuff. But the scientific part of it was what really yeah, kind of struck really me. Yeah, that's really interesting. So that is maple syrup, well, our we, sugary friend in we, our refrigerator. Uh, not that we eat maple syrup that frequently, we but don't. maybe we should increase our I like it intake in my, I like it in my oatmeal. I do like a little bit in oatmeal. It's fantastic. And pancakes. We make pancakes like every other weekend, probably. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, uh, oh man. I know now I'm, I'm just, it's like there's a lot of cleanses out there as well that are maple syrup oh, based. Yeah. Like maple, hot yeah. water, lemon, and cayenne pepper there's is like one of them. Like, or... um, some company that like sells maple water as like a Gatorade alternative, like a antioxidant. Um, yeah. Uh, something called like tapped or something like that or uh, anyway, I don't, I don't what remember called, what it's called, but it's like you drink it after you work out and it's supposed to like replenish your electrolytes. It's a lot of it. Yeah. There's a lot of that stuff in maple syrup. I guess we yeah. should be, when we go work out today, should we just take shots Have of maple it. syrup afterwards? <laughs> well, we did already <laughs> eat pancakes, so we've had our maple syrup intake for today. Yeah, but did we have 3.5 ounces? They got our 138% of manganese yeah, for the day? maybe I not, don't think actually. we did. That's probably true. Oh, my Sweet. gosh. Uh, two main resources for this. There's okay. a lot out there about maple syrup. So uh, there was a Time Magazine article by Kate Pickert that I used for this, uh, as well as a, a website for Maple Valley Syrup Co-op. So maplevalleysyrup.coop, which is a large co-op in the Wisconsin-Michigan area. 
um, of awesome. maple syrup producers. Yeah. Fantastic information. I highly recommend, especially if you're into like scientific journals, it's a weird thing to say, but if you're into scientific journal writing, maple syrup is a fantastic thing to look up and yeah, learn about. You probably pull up that thread for a while. You could. You could. I had to stop myself. I'm sure. It got in depth so far that I couldn't understand what they were talking about. So Awesome. Yes. Good topic pick. Thank you. Thank you. Sweet yeah. pick. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Uh, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platforms. And you can follow us on Instagram at where did this come from pod at where did this come from underscore pod, and we'll give show updates and uh, some fun facts here and there. Yes, so. and we promise to be more active on Instagram coming up soon. I make no promises. <laughs> uh, everybody out there, thank you as always. Uh, stay healthy, be well, and we'll see you next time on Where Did This Come From?